Hi everyone, welcome to the Business as Usual podcast. This is April 2021's episode. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at businessaupod. You can also visit our website, which is edifyed.co.uk forward slash business. Or you can email us if you've got any requests or anything that you'd like to see or, or you know, like to see us go through or like to see on the podcast. You can email us at businessaupod at outlook.com. We're going to throw this one back a little bit. We're going to go back to our original roots and do a podcast just solely on business news because, you know, we're getting to the business end of the year now and there's just so many good news stories to go through this week. Mike, do you want to talk us through what's in this podcast? Yeah, we've got four good news stories to, to talk about today. So we've got the the big one, the Suez Canal uh, being blocked. So we're going to have a look at that one. We've got Deliveroo, who this week uh, did their IPO, a little bit underwhelming. Uh, we've got Amazon's burner accounts on Twitter, and we've we've started to see some of the data coming through for UK exports following the Brexit trade deal. So we'll look at that after this. Okay, so the before we get into this first story, uh, obviously we missed the podcast in March. Uh, due to a number of factors, but the main one being I moved house on the 1st of March and uh, with all of the, the stuff that goes with moving house, we didn't quite get around to um, to getting anything sorted until it was so far sort of late into the month that we figured we may as well just kind of regroup and do one for April. So apologies if you missed us, uh, but we are back and we'll be back every month now through the rest of the year. This news story, you know, it's been one of my favorite news stories in recent memory just because of the memes. Um, I have a group chat with my brother, my two brothers and my cousin, and we just, it's called like a meme. It's a meme group chat, basically. And um, some of the memes that I've sent for this board being stuck in this canal are uh, are hilarious. But but like when I actually read the news story and realized how important this small, thin canal is in Egypt, um, I couldn't. I couldn't believe how important it was, and how much of a significant news story this actually was. I just thought it was one of those. You know, you see those funny news stories about like, uh, oh, a boat's been stuck. Um, <laughs> this was actually, you know, this is quite serious. Twelve percent of global trade goes through this small canal, the Suez Canal, and uh, that is worth nine point six billion dollars per day. And if you reread it, then if, you, if you're watching this on YouTube, you might be listening to it on Spotify, but if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the, uh, a, a diagram from the article which shows the alternative path. And if you don't go through this canal, you basically have to go down through, like down basically around Africa, and it takes something like eight extra days. And so any, you know, any, any business that was shipping from, from, say, for example, Asia to Europe were having if if they they had to make the decision about whether they rerouted or whether they waited for the for the canal to be opened. But rerouting, you know, adds something like three and a half thousand miles onto the journey, which is just outrageous, really. And so, just I certainly with my class, my year thirteens, we've been talking about a lot about globalization over the last few uh, over the last few weeks and months. We've been doing theme four, which is all about globalization and global trade, and. Um, so this is quite topical for us, but I had no idea it was so. I had no idea it was so important this little canal. Yeah, I mean, I mean that diversion reminds me of my first day back at school after the uh, after the lockdown with all the roadworks. Um, it is it is a huge diversion, isn't it? Um, and adding on eight days uh, that links into. I mean, I instantly thought you know the whole stock control topic that I mean can be yeah. quite dry. 
Um, yeah. But I mean, if you throw this in with it and this happened to pop up when you're doing stock control, it'd be amazing. Uh, so if you're doing a bit of just in, just in uh, time stock control, you're going to have issues. You could, um, um, you could do a critical path thing as well, couldn't you? With, um, you know, with a, a, a part of the critical path could be delivery of, of supplies mm. or something and you just have this huge delay. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a big one. It's going to add on cost, I'd imagine, to a lot of goods uh, that were on on those shipments. So it'll be up to the, the producers of whether they're going to going to pass them on to the customer. I suppose um, you would imagine they would to some extent, but thankfully it's not been too long a delay, has it? Um, yeah, I, I don't know what four or five days or something like that. It seems yeah. like they've managed to get it free and um, that it's no longer blocking the canal. But I mean, you look at it. I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures, but like. Given how important that canal is, it's not really fit for purpose. It's like a stream. Like the fact that a boat can can block the entire thing is quite horrifying, really, when you consider that so many supplies and essential supplies are on there. Um, I remember we, obviously we were chatting about this in the, in that group chat, and so the conversation wasn't very highbrow. It was mainly just posting photos of like um, the characters from Friends shouting pivot and trying to move the move the um, move the boat. And uh, I, I, I hadn't actually heard of it at all. And I saw some of these these pictures, and I, I went online and, and searched up on it. And um, there's a, there was apparently quite a lot of like live animals on there, and they were genuinely worried that like there'd be a lot of live animals that wouldn't be able to complete the journey. But um, as it happens, the journey will go to Rotterdam in in Netherlands uh, soon. And I think within about a fortnight, it's going to hit the UK and it's going to come in at Felixstowe, which is only about maybe a half an hour, probably about 20 minute drive from where I am. So if I'm not at school, I might swing by the port of Felixstowe and just um, and <laughs> see the be part of boat. the, to see the famous boat, to be part of the, <laughs> the waving party, to, to sort of see them, see them home safe. Um, not great for the company Evergreen, for their reputation, I don't think. Having a boat get stuck and be like world news for five days. I mean, that being said, I have no idea. I think I think the banks are kind of like, um, you know, it's not like a fully manufactured um, canal. It's it's kind mm. of like a natural canal, and I think there's a lot of sort of clay and, and stuff like that on the on the banks. And I think it must have just got stuck. It presumably was down to human error, right? Because you'd imagine so, yeah. Interesting. Right. Let's move on to Deliveroo then. So this, um, so they've done an IPO, much awaited IPO, um, which means that essentially they were a private limit company originally, um, and they have just gone public by putting their shares on the open market on the stock exchange for uh, people to buy. So they face criticism for their labor practices. So they, they have been hit by this. Um, so they were hoping to, to see their share price uh, rocket on, on launch day to around 460p was their was their hope um with an original price and about three pound 90 um but unfortunately for them they've seen they've seen the wrath of of big investors um not willing to to buy at their at their fairly high prices uh due to their practices so their the share price did plummet on the first day to around two pound 75 um i think was the was the low um which is about 30 percent down and then it recovered to being just 10 percent down um on their opening price which is um they sit about three pounds now just just around, hovering around three pounds so it has been it's been a very underwhelming ipo um for deliveroo who so, are hoping to use that for you know for yeah for that was their that was their fund and it's it has been long awaited because obviously deliveroo is one of those companies among many other companies that's really kind of so it, it's 
it's been part of that growth market, hasn't it? That that convenience-led market that you've seen the likes of Just Eat and other businesses like Uber and, and stuff like that um, have have really taken advantage of and, and become huge, huge businesses. Especially, with, you know, think about the last year as well, how, how much business Deliveroo's got. But it does go to show, doesn't it, that um, investors are, you know, voting with their wallets about their concerns about this gig economy worker model. Do you want to explain a little bit to the to the viewers about what the gig economy worker model kind of is? So the gig economy worker model. So essentially you're working on a zero hour contract. You are paid as and when they need you. So, I mean, there's some actually quite some interesting YouTube videos of, of Deliveroo and Uber drivers showing you their average, you know, working day, their shift. So they will work when the work is there and they'll get paid. I suppose you could say it's piece rate to an extent, technically. Um, So Mm -hmm. they're paid per delivery. Um, And they're also given quite a lot of um, performance related pay in that they will be given like quests. It's a bit like doing one of those World of Warcraft MMOs. Um, Or if you're on Warzone, doing, you know, collecting collecting so many uh, contracts and things. So, yeah, if they do so many like reach 5 10 15 they will they will get um bonuses of say 10 15 pounds but obviously if there's no demand for the food um being delivered in their area then then they are not getting paid so it's it's a very insecure form of of employment some love there's it, no there's no contract don't. is there because i think that i mean that's that was um the there was a similar kind of we've we've seen a big case with uber recently where Uber won in court to to be you know counted as employees of Uber rather than sort of self contracted people and like it's the same for delivery isn't it there they don't and and I guess that's one of the criticisms isn't necessarily that because they get paid, they get paid for the work they do but there's no like there's no sick leave you know what I mean there's no paid sick leave you know if, if you or I are to have a day off ill we would get paid by the school. Whereas if you don't work at Deliveroo, you don't deliver anything that day. You're not getting paid. And I guess that's to some extent what the concerns are about, isn't it? Yes. I mean, you you lose out on all the benefits. You'd, you'd lose out on, like you say, sick pay. You lose out on holiday pay. You lose out on, I suppose you could pension say... Pension contributions and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, pension contributions, training and development kind of spending. They're not going to spend on you if you're not an employee, are they? So you are missing out on a lot. But you are getting the flexibility to an extent to decide on on your hours of work because you'll turn on the app when you yeah. want to work. So there is a bit of give and take, but yeah, I mean it's definitely weighted in the favour of of the of the of the company. So, so they so Deliveroo go out there and uh, they offer these. They're obviously privately owned, so there's there's shareholders who have a, a ownership of the of the company. They have their set of shares. And then their IPO, they put, they basically offer a, a certain percentage of shares to the general public or to investors to buy. And they offered them at 390p per share. And that was kind of like their coming in. This is this is what we want to sell these shares for. If you want to buy into Deliveroo, this is how much you're going to pay. Could you just explain, Mike, how that drops? Well, to start with, um, they're, they're getting this 390 pence in theory from a, a reputable source, like an auditor, like uh, Merrill Lynch or or the like, PricewaterhouseCoopers, will have come in and they've said, delivery is worth this amount as is. Um, and we would say, if you want to float, this is the price you should be you should be pricing it at. But it's all subjective, isn't it? So the problem is, is they're not actually launching 100% of their shares onto the market because they want to keep a certain amount of ownership um, themselves, like the original directors, for example. And they can give out 
shares, for example, to delivery drivers if they wanted to, or for or to you know key business investors they already have. Um, so you're going to have a set amount that is launched to the public. They will decide whether they want to buy and sell at the current price of three pound ninety. So imagine you are the director. You've got ten percent of the company in your shares. You want to sell at that three pound ninety, say five percent of them. Then if no one's buying then you're going to have to start dropping how much you're willing to sell them for. It's going to come down until someone is willing to buy. So essentially, there was not enough volume of people willing, or investors, I should say, willing to buy at £3.90. And it eventually found its level at about £2.75, where there was a critical mass of investors willing to buy that met the amount of people willing to sell, that wanted to sell at that time. It's certainly not good, is it? It's not a good look for delivery. Um... But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one because obviously when you look at forms of business, the difference between a private limited company and a, and a public limited company. But it tends to be that when a business is looking to really sort of um, go from being a controlled growth strategy to real expansion, you know, it, it seems like that's the time when a business tends to go public because they're trying to gain that money to take advantage of potentially good publicity or to gain finance ready for a ready for expansion. And uh, this won't certainly won't have helped because not only does it mean they're not quite getting the investment they wanted, but it also because of I mean it was a historically bad performance. They say it was something like one of the worst performing IPOs of the last decade. It also brings their sort of their problems, the concerns that people have to the to the forefront. I mean it was a it was a big news story. Well, I was talking to my class about this actually, this IPO of Deliveroo because it's an interesting one. I thought it was going to be. A problem. I didn't. I thought it'd be underwhelming, but not for the same reasons as as what the articles are showing. I thought it was mainly because of the the real slowdown in revenue growth over the last couple of years, and the fact that they're still making a considerable loss. You would think delivery would have would have benefited a little bit from the from sort of lockdown and, and what have you, with people not being able to go to restaurants and so restaurants therefore coming to them. But it yeah. obviously doesn't seem that 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 hasn't really translated into profit, which no, is also interesting. It's yeah. revenue grow exponentially, but yeah, profit, the profit, the, the margins. Um, you wonder what they're spending the money on because it's not staff. <laughs> very you much say it's it. not staff, but I mean, no, if you in the look sense at how that they're not, they make, they're not spending as much on staff as they could have been had they had employees as much as they've got, like this obviously gig economy we mentioned earlier. True. Like their spending true. on staff could be significantly higher. Well, I was actually I was actually thinking about this when I was watching one of these one of the, a few of these videos because if you're good, I mean I was watching someone that was doing it not in a car even they was doing it on a on a push bike, and they were averaging about twenty pounds an hour. Now that's not a bad hourly rate. Now if if you paid someone an hourly rate with benefits etc., I don't think you'd be paying anywhere near what ten pound an hour. So then I think you that gives you a fair amount, doesn't it, that you could spend on pension um, contributions. Mm. So they could say, OK, we'll have these employees, but you're not going to earn as much. And that does fit the historical model of employee versus contractor. Yeah. Yeah. A contractor always gets paid more because usually they're more specialist. They're used when they're needed. So you pay for that pleasure. A bit like a supply teacher, for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you don't have that that um, security of a, of a job, do you? So. No. They, they might they might not like being an employee of Deliveroo and uh, an Uber etc when it comes to it we'll have to see no I mean well actually it's an interesting thing because on the subject of of um, relationships between businesses and their employees we can move on to the Amazon story 
So the Amazon story is um, they are historically Amazon have been known for having poor working conditions for their employees. Terrible. There's been a huge amount. There's a huge amount of press about this. It's been quite common. You know, Jeff Bezos, very, I mean, unbelievably unparalleled success as an entrepreneur and as a business business owner, but not exactly like a popular guy. There's a lot of people who think that the way the staff are treated could be a lot better. Wasn't there something that I think there was something about how when since the start of the pandemic, if Jeff Bezos gave each of his employees ten thousand dollars he would still have the same wealth that he had at the start of the pandemic or something like that like or i can't remember the exact statistic but something shows that they were making huge amounts of money and yet still the workers aren't treated very particularly well and so one step to potentially to potentially address this that a lot of employees particularly in america are taking is they're trying to start trade unions so there's one in particular warehouse in alabama in america that are setting up they're going through unionization they're trying to set up a trade union and um that in itself isn't really i mean that's a that's an interesting story because it should it suggests that they're not happy with their with their rights and they're and they're going to try and do some things differently um but what really makes this story interesting is that amazon to try and stop this unionization have set up fake twitter accounts with basically people who are amazon employees who are posting things like i mean there's a, i put it if you're watching this on youtube you can see but i've put it i put a, a screenshot i saw on reddit that said um bert at ok4 says he's a husband a father and a happy amazon employee um has zero followers but he says unions are good for some companies but i don't want to have to shout out hundreds a month just for lawyers which is like clearly someone saying that to try and say I don't want to join the union. If you join a union, you will spend loads of money out of your pay every month just to pay for lawyers that you probably don't even need. Um, the problem is, it's the the picture is from the uh, YouTube group Dude Perfect, who just do a bunch of trick shots, and they've used his picture as the picture. So it's not it's not been a very good fake. But um, the fact that like Amazon are going to those lengths, like they're setting up these burner accounts really does show that they don't want their employees to unionise, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. I mean, who who wants their workforce to be unionised? Um, it does cause issues unless you manage your union well. And we've seen it quite a lot, haven't we, in the UK over the mm. last year or so with British Gas and Asda and BA. They've all had issues with, with their staff and the union have stepped in to try and protect their rights. So the last Which thing is Amazon the purpose want, of a union, of course. Exactly. But I mean, if you create a good working relationship with the union, you can get a lot of, um, what's the word I want, compromise. Yeah. yeah? Where, you, where you do meet and you tend to meet much closer to what the business wants than what the union wants, because the business does have more power than even the strongest unions, um, mainly at the moment because union membership has, has, has plummeted over, over yeah. the last decade or so since uh, Thatcher, I suppose um but yeah so it's it's interesting that we've seen the unions really front and center of the news over the last year or so um and it'll be interesting to see if the unions actually have a bit of a resurgence in general um because they're very big in in europe in the likes of france and germany not so strong in the uk in comparison do you not think uh, that that's US. like um do you not think that's following the trend of society though where like i certainly feel like over the last maybe maybe three years people are much more willing to sort of 
stand up for what they believe in like um you see a lot of that on social media you've seen mm. a lot of it for com- like obviously for completely valid reasons for speaking up against um injustice and and racism and and oh, and like i think to some degree the it's becoming a little bit more normalized to stand up and make your voice heard and do what you think is and do what you think is fair and i think that's going to translate into business as well because i think a lot of these a lot of these employees you know we're saying so solid so you know clearly that we won't stand for inequality and uh in unjust behavior within our society i think that will stretch to employment as well i've got some statistics actually this is america obviously which is where this story's from but here's some stats about about the benefits of being in a union union workers earn 13.2% more per year than employees who aren't than their equivalent peers so people in the same job who aren't in a union so it does boost up your pay uh 87 of union workers have paid sick days compared to just 69 percent of non-union workers uh 94 of union workers have employer health benefits compared to just 64 percent of people who aren't in a union 89 percent of private union workers get paid vacation compared to 75 percent and union employers are 20 two percent more likely to offer a retirement plan than non-union so there definitely is like being part of a union definitely does have a positive impact on your on your maybe not necessarily on the relationship you've got with the business but on certainly on sort of those extra benefits that we talked about when we talked about Deliveroo like those extra benefits like sick pay like holiday pay like pension contributions and things like that um healthcare is not really a significant factor in the UK necessarily because we've got the NHS but in certain countries I mean, you could even argue you could even argue that it could improve your relationship with the with your employer as well, because you don't need to go individually with your problems to mm. to the yeah. manager or, or higher up. Even you would go to your union rep. You would say, I feel this way. There's probably others that feel that way as well. And then they go there and say, look, it's quite common in, in among the workforce that, you know, that they feel they're underpaid or overworked or or have you thought about changing this? Mm. Um, and then it becomes more of a a less personal kind of discussion doesn't it yeah so i would argue maybe it even improves potentially uh the relationship yeah. that each individual could have because it kind of gives you that shield doesn't it i mean yeah the union rep, one person the union rep often, a troublemaker or something yeah i mean that's a union rep isn't it who gets all the stick um so that's that's not always the most enviable job to have depends on the relationship that the union rep has with the business i mean sometimes you could find that I've certainly experienced it where the union reps have been a little bit too close to um, the business and oh, have totally. really acted in the business's interest rather than the purpose of a trade union is to represent the the interests of the employees and and not necessarily don't get me wrong they're there to represent the interests of the business as well because if the business isn't successful the employees potentially don't have that job security but we've got kind of two two branches in this haven't we we've got the trade union should represent the rights and the interests of the of the um employees hr department human resources department kind of represents the interests of the business in that sense and so having both of those allows for hopefully compromise hopefully agreement and hopefully working conditions that are better than what amazon appear to have looking at a bit of trade um that the UK has had since since Brexit and it's all started to settle down a little bit since the the trade deal we hoped that had been signed would would, would which looked like a good deal up. in like, theory it looked like a good deal on the deal. face of it you thought like one of the biggest concerns was whether you'd get free trade and tariffs and quotas and, and that's been achieved but clearly yeah as you're about to say it's not all 
sunshine and rainbows. No, it's not. It's not smelling rosy. Um, so the the first bits of data have come out, and in particular, the food industry, the agricultural industry, has been hit the hardest. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, we've got the the graph to the right that shows um the year on year like for like um exports of UK beef, which is down at what is that about three point um yeah, three thousand nine hundred tons, yeah. three thousand seven hundred tons down from last year, uh, January, which was about sixteen thousand tons. So, I mean, I remember seeing the salmon was down, was it 93% beef down, you know, 80 to 85% it was down. So we've seen a lot of exports um, being reduced and it's not because of, of, of tariffs, which is what we were worried about, weren't it? Like you said, Jack, yeah. mm-hmm. um, it's, it's more to do with the non-tariff barriers, um, as we call them in, 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 the, uh, in the technical language in the spec. Um, it's about the amount of effort that needs to be gone through at the at the checks, yeah. So there is an interesting um, graphic which I'll, I'll I'll attach to the uh, to the video afterwards, um, where it shows all the steps you now have to go through to export one food product to France. Uh, it's something like a forty step program um, that you need to go through, and it's led to I think something like twenty. Oh, you've actually got on the screen twenty five percent of small mm. UK firms yeah. um, saying they will now just temporarily stop exporting to the EU. And other firms have said, um, farmers in particular, this is for, it's costing them an extra 4,000 euros per load, so per lorry, um, to actually ship it across customs-wise. So that is going to add on um, a lot onto their unit prices, yeah, no which doubt. therefore might make them either less profitable or just not competitive um, abroad. Yeah, so um, it's hitting hard. We've, uh, I've just, uh, just this last week, done this with my year, uh, um, my year 13s we talked about four main four main parts to trade and trading blocks we talked and, and like and um protectionism and and liberalized trade and what have you and what prompts free trade and what prompts protected trade and we looked at tariffs and quotas which are the sort of the more standard more commonly um you know it's it's more easy to see the the impact of those because a tariff means prices go up because you pay that tariff to to, to export into a particular country and with a quota it's like it's an actually a limit and so you'd look at this and you'd think to yourself you know especially with brexit one of the big concerns a lot of people had with brexit was that it was going to mean that tariffs and quotas would be imposed and our costs to export or cost to import would would go up for our businesses, or we'd be set to quotas. And so instead of buying British beef, all of these European countries would buy beef from each other. So it puts us at a huge, huge, you met, you kind of alluded, alluded to it, didn't you? Unit costs go up, but it just, it, it just makes us so, or potentially makes us so uncompetitive in those markets, which is oh, a real concern, a real, real concern. Cause that, that number's huge. That's dropped by like, that's 25% of what it was last year. Yeah, I mean that that graphic actually puts a, a sweeter picture on it um, than it than it's sitting at in March. Um, so it's only got worse since January uh, of, of this year. All right. So those are our four news stories. Um, if you, we'll put together a worksheet to go through. You can use these with your, with your class just to check that you pay attention to the news and that you kind of understand some of the concepts that are mentioned in some of these news stories. So if you want to download that worksheet, visit edifyed.co.uk forward slash business. You'll be able to find this video on there. You'll be able to find a link to uh, wherever you can get this podcast and you'll be able to find that uh, worksheet. You'll also be able to on there find our spreadsheet, which is 
um, being used by a lot of people across the country. So I'm sure I'm being told, including some very important people. And so uh, that shows you all of the past exam questions it might be really good preparation for these assessments that you'll have coming up towards the end of the year. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget at business AU pod. And also, if you want to get in touch, if you've got any you know stories that you've seen that you think would be interesting to talk about or any topics that you'd like us to cover in a revision video, we might start splitting those up a little bit. Um, please do email us at businessaupod at outlook.com. And we will be back in May, uh, which will be obviously a really important month for business students. So we will see you then. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Look forward to it.